Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. Real people doing real deals in real estate and no fake gurus allowed. We bring you the best and the most real real estate investors in the space. They'll be showing you the good, the bad, and the ugly of real estate investing. Like, share, subscribe, get notified. It's the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. And today we have Mr. Tim Luna, who's out of Houston, Texas. And uh, he's been doing this for quite a while now. Yes, I have. Thanks for having me, Ricardo. No, it's I, always good to see you. No, I appreciate you, brother. Um, glad you came by. And uh, it's always a great time uh, to chit chat before and after the podcast. Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, but who is Tim, man? Where do you come from? <sighs> Tim Luna, 46 years old, born and raised in. Pearland, Texas, just okay. about 20 minutes south of Houston. Graduated Pearland High School in 1993, a long time ago. Wow. Um, started out working in the uh, restaurant business, kind of transitioned to oil and gas operations, you know, different little chemical plants. And um, about 11 years ago, started doing real estate. And then uh, about eight and a half years ago, stumbled onto my first wholesale deal, and the rest is history. Wow. You know? And and uh, so let's let's do that story, but a lot slower. So let's go back to the restaurant business. What were you doing back then? Is it, is it like when you just came out of high school, you started? Yeah, out of high school, you know, t uh, I always kind of wanted to do like hotel restaurant management and ended up getting a job at Landry's down in Kima. Okay. You know, one of the busiest restaurants at the time. Before it was a big waterfront, you know, it was just right. a regular, uh, you know, you got Landry's and you got, uh, you got Joe Lee's right there, you know, and the Crab House and stuff. So, right. you know, it wasn't the big amusement park just yet. You know, yeah. so um, kind of cut my teeth there, and I was learning everything I was going to learn in school, but a lot faster, you know. So Got it. I was like, well, let me just start working. And did you become, like, a manager there, or? Yeah, I was, a like, they had the general manager, assistant general manager, and then I was one of the top floor managers, you know. Right. I, I made, like, the wait staff schedule and hostess schedule, stuff like that, so. Good deal. So, so I'm going to assume that during that time you learned a lot about processes, that they use within, because the same process they use in Landry's in that particular restaurant, they're going to use it in the one in Mississippi or whatever, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And I actually went and helped them open a store in Little Rock, Arkansas. Okay. And so, you know, the good thing was is that, you know, the all the systems and everything they had in place in chemo worked. They just applied the same thing, like you said, just a different state, you know. So it was pretty cool. Was pretty cool. So how old were you when you uh, left that, that restaurant life? So I was uh, 25. Got tired of it, you know, nights, weekends, holidays, very low pay. Right. You know, making like 38000 a year. Right. <laughs> you know, um, but I was 25 years old, right? So you feel like that's a lot of money. Yeah. Time. Yeah, you do. You, you, can, you can take care of your car payment. Uh -huh. You can pay rent. Yep. And you got money for the movies, yep, you know. Exactly. Exactly. You know, you're not thinking about different things at the time. right? No, now. and you're busy too, man. Like those those guys are working long hours, right? Oh, yeah. Three, two thirty, three in the clock in the morning on the weekends. I go home at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, you know, Saturday night, you know, into Sunday, I close the restaurant, do the, all the deposits and make sure everybody's got everything cleaned up ready for Sunday. I wouldn't go to 4 or 5 and had to be back at 2 the next day. Wow. You know? So how do you stumble into the oil, oil fields uh, stuff? So um, a small little plant there in Clear Lake right there on Bay Area called Dixie Chemical. My 
Yep. My dad's neighbor was a supervisor out there for years. Wow. And so, you know. Uh, I just had an Uber guy take me to my house that work over there. Really? Yeah. Really? That's he told crazy. me, I work at Dixie Chemicals. I said, oh, okay. Wow. The guy had a like a F-150. Nice truck. Yeah. And uh, he said, man, I just got out of the house to make some, like my wife was driving me crazy or something yeah. like that. So yeah. I just turned on the old wrap and, and yeah. started running around. So. Yeah, and, that, and that, that schedule, you know, it's, you know, back then it was four on, four off. So you work, you know, Monday through Thursday days off the weekend and work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, you know, whatever. So um, he, he told my dad they were hiring and it was kind of, it was one of those no experience, no degree. Like now you need a degree, you need experience, you know, like you need the process tech degree and experience. Uh, they wanted no experience. They preferred no experience. I walked in and yeah, that that way they there. can mold you into what they want. That's and they, and they show you how to do their stuff. Right. And that's you know, and that just kind of fed me the whole way through because I worked at, at Dupont and then I went to Shell and I was at Shell for I mean ten and a half years and then I transitioned to full time real estate. Okay. Um, when did you start wanting to learn more about real estate? Like, at, at what point do you say, "Hey, man, I'm gonna." I'm going to look into buying a property or maybe how do you. So I ended up, um, there was a guy, my buddy Sergio, I worked at Shell with him and he had his own brokerage, but it was like a Century 21 spinoff. You know, he, he didn't have an office, all referrals. Um, him and I went to Chicago one week for a Astros game. So okay. watched the Cubs and Astros play and then we went to a White Sox game. Um, but he had his laptop the whole time. He was working whenever we were at the hotel. I'm like, oh, what are you doing? You know, and he's like, oh, I'm doing real estate. I have it's my side hustle. Yeah, that's what he told me, you know. And I'm like, man, I've always, I've always, and I'd always had a, an interest in doing real estate, right, and always wanted to learn. And um, he's like, man, get your license. I'll let you work some of these people because I'm just too busy, you know. Um, so I talked to my wife and got my license through Champions in a weekend. You know, I did all the courses in a weekend, you know, and then did the background check and whatnot. And so started working, doing real estate, started showing houses, you know. But then that was the time of the – of the cycle of housing where people would look at 10 or 12 properties before they'd make an offer on one. Right. You know, not like today you look at three houses, you make offers on four. I, I, yes. You know, right. That's correct. You know, so, um, man, just got, kind of got tired of, kind of got tired of, of, you know, I was making a hundred thousand a year just to shell, just to show up. Right. And I was, was tired of my weekends off taking people all over town, you know, and I'm like, there's gotta be an easier way. Um, and so I kind of started uh, kind of a backtrack. I had a vending machine business. Okay. And I had a vending machine business for 10 years. Had uh, 137 machines on 37 locations. Oh, wow. In Houston, yeah. And I had a, a big box truck. I had a couple drivers at one time. Um, that's a hard job to, can, to keep full because people are dealing with cash, young people. Whatever, right. right. So I started thinking of real estate like a vending machine. It's going to sell itself if it's in the right location. has the right stuff inside of it, you know. Yep. So started looking into, into wholesaling, man, and, you know, just – Took off from there. Just I just jumped all the way into it. Well, you know? so so what happened to the vending machine route? It just got to be too much, you know. Um, I had a, I, it was just so you know I w w would work you know nights and stuff at Shell, and I'd get off. I, I would get off work like Friday mornings, and when I didn't have my drivers, like I would get off at five a.m. and I would load up Thursday night before I went to work on nights, and then I would go out, and I wouldn't get home till two in the afternoon because I was doing all my locations. Right. You know, so I get up, I'm working all night long, you know, don't go home and sleep. I just get up. I just go right. straight. Now start, you're, you're you know. pulling an 18 hour shift yeah, now. Exactly. You know, then, and then I get home and, you know, um, the kids want to do something. My wife wants to do something and I'm exhausted. You know, what, what really did it for me was my wife had 
started teaching, and it was her first summer to have a summer. You know, my kids were probably five and three maybe, and I would get up on my days off at 5 a.m., go do this vending machine route, and I'd get home at 6 o'clock at night, and I'd have to unload because it's summertime and it's so hot. And right. The Cokes would explode in my truck if I didn't take them out or whatever, and, you know, it's 7 o'clock at night, and they want to go watch a movie or they want to go out to eat or they want to do whatever, and I didn't want to do anything. I was exhausted. You just want to rest. I didn't want to take a shower and, and do nothing. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, that's not. So a buddy of mine, you know, I've known him since we were four years old. And he's a, uh, I'm his, his daughter's godfather. He's my son's godfather. Um, he asked me one day, he said, man, how much do you make a month doing that? You know, because I was always getting good tax returns. I always had cash in my pocket. But he's like, how much do you make a month doing that? I was like, I never thought about it. You know, and he goes, I challenge you for 30 days to figure out gas, mileage, time, everything, figure out how much you make a month, you know, an hour doing it. I'm like, all right. Made like less than a dollar an hour doing this shit, you know. No shit. But, and, wow. I, and, you know, between going to Sam's, loading the cart, loading my truck, going to the location. It was just busy work. Busy work. That's all it is is busy work. That's all it was was busy work. And I never looked at it that way because I enjoyed it. But then when he said that, I was like, no. Nah, you didn't enjoy it anymore because nope. you're like, man, I'm putting all these efforts into something that's really not doing anything for me. Nothing. Other than taking away from my family. Exactly. And it, and it you know, it, it's one of those things where, you know, if I did not fill them, they weren't making, any, making me any money. So I had to keep them full. Mm. You know, and it's like, it just got to be too much, man. So I sold everything. I did okay on the sale. I made some money, you know, and then I just, and at that time I already had my license. I was already still doing real estate, you know. So after that, it was just full on real estate and working at Shell. Wow. That's crazy, man. So, did did you sell all those machines, or I sold a lot of them, and then um, they were sitting in my parents' RV shed. They have a big RV sh storage, you know. And um, I called the company and I said, "Look, I'm gonna send back some of these. Just give me a credit, and I'll pay the difference." I think I'd after I sold everything and paid the difference, I ended up still walking them, you know, about thirty five thousand, you know, which is pretty good considering it's a vending machine business. Because the way it would work is, if your location generated fifty thousand a year. Gross sales, you could sell it for about twenty five thousand, you know. And I had a, luckily for me, what saved me was I had twelve machines at one location. They had over five hundred employees. That that location, it would literally take me three hours, and I timed it multiple times from the time I pulled up and turned my truck off at the first stop because I hadn't. They had three, they had four warehouses, and I had two machines in each one, right? And then I had one one location had or one break room had three machines, just three snack machines. And I would literally fill up the snack machine, walk out of that break room, fill up two snack machines, walk out of the break room, and work on the Coke machine. When I was done and they were off break, I could walk back in there. It was a machine shop. I could walk back in that break room, pull about 150 bucks out, and then still fill it back up. Mm. Like I had to be there Monday, Wednesday, Friday, religiously. I, it was doing about 6,500 6, bucks a month in profit or in sales, and it carried my whole my whole route. Wow. It, it was just. You know, I was doing, you know, so I was doing about 24000 a month. And it was carrying the whole the whole business. Wow. You know, so I was able to sell that location. The guy who bought it for me right after the, you know, kind of the housing market crash and stuff and whatnot, and they laid off everybody but like 100 people. So he kind of kind of got the, the short end of the stick there. Oh, yeah, because he didn't get all the revenue. Yep. Yep. That sucks. Okay. So, so you started as an agent, mm -hmm. right? Yep. When did you stumble into being an investor? Um, 
So I st- well, at first I stumbled into just kind of the wholesaling as um, I met a guy. He still does real estate. His name's Tony Rodriguez. He still does real estate here in town. And he taught me about driving for dollars. And okay. he, yeah, at the time, he had kind of a kind of a mini buyer's list. Yeah. You know? So we focused on like uh, Houston Avenue. <laughs> a mini buyer's yeah. list. <laughs> yeah. Is that like 300 buyers or what? No, I think he had probably like 50 or 60 yeah. people that he knew to, oh, you know, to, knew to talk to. It was to. Just, just very... Meticulous yeah. and like he had an exact like hey if I found this then he had this guy for it if yeah I found this and um so we were over there at like Houston Avenue Beauchamp you know like right by the courthouse right um and the first the first deal I did I did uh he taught me how to you know drive and get the addresses and look them up on HCAD and send letters and stuff and we did a deal off of Bingham Street right there Houston Avenue and Bingham right yep. in the corner it was a six thousand square foot lot and they lived in San Antonio I sent her a letter and she's like yeah I want a hundred and we sold it for one hundred eighty thousand. Wow! So forty forty thousand dollars ti- assignment yeah. off the off the bat, and I'm like, and I was hooked there, man. Man, you get twenty G's like that because if you JV'd it uh, JV'd with a guy, it. right? JV'd that's it. twenty and twenty. Yep. But you get twenty on your first deal, and you're like, man, and this is only half of it. Like, exactly. what if I do the whole thing by myself? Exactly. Oh, that's forty grand. Then you start calculating. How long does it take me to make forty grand doing what I do right exactly. now? You know exactly. You know, and th- and that's that was my exact mentality. I'm like, okay, now I got to figure out how to do this on my own. You know, so I started working on my own buyers list. Found a guy who had one for sale. We worked out a deal, and uh, I just took off. I started doing dry. My, so my mom, she retired from NAS after 42 years. So she'd retired, had nothing to do. So I call her, hey, look, why don't you come with me? You know, like uh, so, like if I was off Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'd say, look, Wednesday, be here at 9 a.m. And well, we had a big spiral notebook. Drive all over Houston, just different like Meyerland. I did a lot of stuff, Post Oak Terrace. And That's pretty cool because you're hanging out with your mom, yeah, just having yeah, a, a bonding time in between mom and son. We'd eat lunch and do hang out. And yeah, talking, bullshitting, you know, exactly. Yeah. You know, and so um, you know, I, I enjoyed it. You know, and you know, she still helps me to the to this day on the business, right. just different aspects of it. Now. Right. Um, but you know, literally, she would write down like you know Edward Street. And she'd drive at the top, and I'd I'd go down the street, and I'd look to the driver's side. She'd look to the passenger side, and she knew what how, how what to look for. And I would just be calling out numbers like one two three, one two three four, one two three, and she's just writing. And so we got, to, and then we go to another street. So you you developed a system for driving for dollars with an assistant. Yep, yep. She say this is the route. As soon as I spit out whatever numbers, this is what you're gonna write down, and, and boom 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 boom, and now you're freaking going all over town looking for properties. So we would do about we'd probably get about about two or three hundred addresses and then she would look them up i bought her a printer that that looked as if she hand wrote the letter and then we would put them in the envelopes we get the envelopes from sam's the longer ones that, the ones that stick out past your bills yeah, yeah. and your invitations you know and um and i had it down to a science i would mail thursdays and fridays and the, and that way they would get them on mondays and tuesdays Mondays and tuesdays that's when they yep. open up the that's mail when they open up the mail Yep. And I had so much, I had so much of a response rate. Yeah, the the you know? the the post office hated me because I would show up there on Fridays with thirty thousand letters, twenty thousand letters, and man, these people at the post office they don't want to work. No, they're union. They're union. They they're like, oh my god, here comes this guy like with all these mailings, you know, mm-hmm. and here I am Friday afternoon. It's four p.m. They're dying to go home, and I'm just dropping off that load for them to go yep. process it and take it. Yep. Uh, but hey, man! Sure enough, Monday, Tuesdays, phone is ringing. Yeah. Did you meter your stuff or do you stamp it? 
So we metered them and stamped it. Okay. See, I found I had more success when I stamped it because the no, meters. no, but it's, it's, a, it's a it's a combination. Yeah. Right. 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 So right. we we because I had a mail um uh, a, a permit. I had a permit. Yeah. I had to get a permit because I was a mail house. So we get the meter first, mm-hmm. and that's ten cents. Okay. And then we ran in through the machine that will stamp them as if you put them yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the rest of the okay. the, 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 the sense for the freaking thing to go out. Right. So I forgot what the, the number was, but I would say for, and this is the last time I did a mail out like that was like two years ago, but it was, I think it was 24 or 26 cents for standard mail for us. Because we were a mail house. So we get a huge break. And then if it was first class, it was about 35 or 36. So it was 10 cents more. Yeah. So depending on whether we sent it first class or not, um, they will charge you those cents. But the, the, mach- the, the USPS will know that it was first class or not by the metered okay. portion of it. And then the stamp is just, it's just uh, 10 cents more that you're adding or 15 or whatever. So you can, you know, send it out. But yeah. But um, but yeah, we 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 ran it, and the, man, it looked like it was legit because the stamp would be sideways. Yeah. It, you know, it wouldn't yep. be just it perfect. Be just right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's funny. I mean, that's I, 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 exactly how I did it. I mean, I had it all. You know, when I mailed on like one day, one time I just tested it, and I mailed it on Wednesday. So I didn't get. I probably did a hundred, and I probably got like eight calls. Because the thing is, on Fridays, if they get it on Friday, they don't. They're on the weekend mode, man. They get the letter and they go put it on the side. And I'll look at that next week. And then next yeah. week never comes never around. Comes. Yep. Yep. But if they get it on Monday, they're like, huh, what is this? Who is this guy, Tim? And they open up. It's like, man, okay, yeah, I might want to sell my vacant house yep. or whatever, right? And, and and we would always, my mom would handwrite the envelopes every time. Wow. Every time, every time. And so what I did was I gave her 1% of my net. Right. So if I netted 10, she got 1,000. If I netted right. 5 grand, she got 500. But something, yeah. I, I give her 1,000. It didn't matter. I was doing a lot of volume. Right. You know, I was doing... Sh- Working at Shell, and I was still doing 10, 15 deals a month. Well, you know, so I mean, I was rolling. Yeah. We, we, so we had different printers for different things. So one printer was only for envelopes, but when we printed it, it was like you hunt, you, it was handwritten. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So we, we did the envelope like that, and we also did the letter that was handwritten. And then on the letter, we got to where we did neuro linguistic programming. So when you went through the, let's say this is the letter, right? And you go through a letter and you say, hey, Cassie, yeah. uh, my name is Tim Luna and I'm, my wife and I are looking to buy a property. Then we'll go and embed different words, bolded with there. different letters. Yep. But they look still like they were handwritten. Yeah. So if they just scan through the letter, they will see something like, sell me your house cash fast. If they just scan it, that's what the subconscious man was mind was picking up, and it's funny because I went to a, I went to a, to a house one day, and I asked the lady, I said, "Let me ask you a question. Why did you call us?" And she's like, "I don't know. I get hundreds of this, and for some reason, you were the one that I picked. Really? So there was something about your message." That I just couldn't get the attach from, and I just laughed. And right at that moment, I said, "You know what? My NLP is working." Yeah. So, so we started doing that more and more and more. 
And and then we started playing with the stock of the paper as well. That way, when they fill it, it's yep. different. Uh, we started changing the envelopes. But man, the Casper acquisition of mailers got so high that was that that at some point it didn't make no sense anymore. So so you did all mailers, mm-hmm. and you operated like that for for a few years, like until all the way till 2017. 2017. Yeah, so probably four and a half, five years, probably. Okay. You know? But I mean, I had that area. You know, Meyerland, Post Oak Terrace, all those areas, you know. So, in Post Oak Terrace right there, you know, 610 Meyerland, but on the inside of the loop, right? Um, I can't remember the name of the road is now, but it's a funny story. This guy called me one day, and he's like, hey, I want want you to, how much you can pay me for my house? You know, because we'd always leave the, the, kind of what you were saying, we would leave the blank spot. My mom would handwrite the person's name yeah. and then the address on the letter. And uh, he's like, well, how much are you going to pay me? And I said, well, yes, sir. I said, what's your address? And I'll, I'll get you an offer, you know, right now, you know, and. He's like, oh, I knew this was BS, probably some mass mail-out crap, and yada, yada, yada. I said, yes, sir, I probably sent out about 200 letters last week, but if you just give me your address, I'll be able to tell you what I can offer you. Uh, no, no, you're just a scammer. You're just this. I'm not going to do this. It's a bunch of crap, yada, And I said, look, sir, I said, look, all I need is your address. That's all I need. I don't even need to know by your street. I know where I'm where I'm looking at, you know. And, and I said, I'll tell you what. And and so in Postwood Terrace, I can't remember the name of the, the road. I think it's Brunswick or, or or New Haven or something, or Newcastle. It, it so it will Newcastle, run, yeah. it will run parallel to six ten. Everything to the left of Newcastle was five thousand square foot lots. That's it. If you had a double lot, it was ten thousand. Everything to the west was five thousand to nine thousand. So I told him, sir, I said all I need to know is if you're east or west of Newcastle, because everything east of Newcastle is five thousand square foot lots. I know what I can pay for a 5,000-square-foot lot that I'm going to tear the house down on. If you're west of Newcastle, those numbers are different because they range from 5,000 to 9,000. Some even have 9,600. Now, are you east or west of Newcastle? And the, the next words out of his mouth were his address. Because he knew that I was, I was not some scam guy. I mean, yeah, yeah, knew. you knew exactly. You knew your market. Yeah, you know, so he wasn't going to out-talk me. You know, and sure enough, he was west of Newcastle. I got his property under contract, and I sold it. Wow. You know, and I asked him, I said, you know, when we, when we met in person, signed the contract, I said, hey, you know, why'd you get so angry? You know, why'd you tell me your address? He said, well, I knew when you said Newcastle, I knew you knew where you were talking about because he lived like Newcastle's here. He was three houses in. You see, that's how important yeah. it is to do your due diligence when somebody either calls you or, or to be on the computer because, okay, let's say I'm doing a mail out in freaking, you know, King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, right? I don't know King of Prussia, but Google does. So all I got to do is get on Google and say, hey, okay, are you by whatever street or avenue? And, you know, I see in the corner there is like a – I think there's in the corner there's like a Starbucks. Now I sound like I'm local. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm right across the Starbucks. Oh, perfect. All right, so what's the address again so I can confirm? But a lot of people, they don't they, – they would have taken the, the get me off the list. Yeah. You know, you're a scammer or whatever right off the bat. Yep. As opposed to said, hey, man, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm looking at. That's what got you a deal, right? So so you did mailers until 2017. What do you do left uh, after that? Like, So 2017 was my turning point. I mean, I really went from – I went totally away from single family and went straight commercial, multifamily, strip centers, whatever, anything commercial. Storage business, RV parks, mobile home parks. Um, and Harvey did it for me. Harvey drove me that way. Yeah. You know. I know we've talked about your stories with Harvey. Yeah. You know, right. So, you know, my story is I was in Post Oak Terrace. A lady I'd sent a letter to, 
And uh, she called me and said, I had the letter for a while, yada, yada, yada. And I went to her and had all her stuff on the, in the driveway, flooded out, you know. And I talked to her and I made her an offer, a legitimate offer. You know, I was probably going to make 10 or 20 grand, whatever. She's like, oh, no, Sonny, I'm not to go with the other offer. I'm like, well, you had another offer? She said, yeah, he's $50,000 higher than you are. Somebody from out of town. Yep. And I said, look, I said, and I explained it to her. I broke it all down. I wrote, I sat at her kitchen table, what was left of it. Boom, boom, boom. I said, there's no way looking at these numbers that anyone will buy this property. You know, and I told her, I said, I'm not going to even buy it. I'm going to, I have a buyer for you, a guy who's going to build, you know. And I said, look, call me back in, in 30 days when this guy doesn't close and when he disappears on me. Um, I said, my offer will be lower. I don't ever come back with the same offer, you know. But so she called me back 30 days later. She said, you were right. I said, I know I was right. I knew I was right when I was sitting in your house. So, I, you know, I kind of went against my better judgment. I gave her what I originally was going to offer, and I sold the property, and I made, you know, 10, 12 grand, whatever. But for me, it was, a, it was an awakening. You know, I'm like, so I'm going after people whose only asset is their house. Yeah. So I got to do something different. Yeah. So I started looking into apartments, and I ended up finding a guy with, he had a five-unit in Angleton, and he had a 12 I remember those five units. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I had a property right across the, the five units, and when you were selling it, I wanted to buy it, but I just ran the numbers and they didn't make sense to me. And right. and and I just kept on buying more houses. Right, right. And then he had a twelve unit in Brenham. So I sold that five unit like six times. I collected like six five thousand dollars deposits. Crazy. And then I ended up selling it again. And then I sold the twelve units in Brenham. And I think that both off both those deals, I want to say I think I made like one hundred sixty or one hundred fifty thousand. Wow. And I was like, and right, you know, it's one of those where your, you know, light goes off. I'm like, if I can do this over and over again. I don't have to be chasing houses and competing exactly. against 20 other guys. Exactly. You know, so um, so I dug in and just started looking into ways of tracking people down. And, you know, I, the first 10 calls I made, I got 10 contracts because no one was calling. No one was calling a single multifamily person. Whoa. Now, I sold all those deals, but looking back in hindsight, this is 2017. I probably should have bought eight of those and sold two. But I wasn't thinking that way yet. Right. Um, yeah, you probably needed the money too, like create cash flow for the business right, and for you to right. pay bills and stuff. Exactly. Like, I mean, I'm the same way. Like, if yeah. I need money, I'm not buying anything. I'm just wholesaling it yeah. so I can so I can collect the cash. Yeah, right. Just keep rolling. Yeah. You know. So, um, and then man, the rest is history. I just started. I went full on into cap rates, NOIs. You know how you know how do you all the questions you ask you know multifamily person as opposed to just a single family person and. You know, I just went full bore, man. I was just moving deals and started growing the buyers list even more. So I think I've got about 60,000 nationwide on my buyers list now that, you know, I get people that email me all the time. Hey, what do you got? Hey, this, hey, well, you know, I need this. Can you find it? Well, I can try, but, you know, I'm not going to cater to you, but I'll see if That's I can what we were something. talking about earlier. Uh, you know, uh, and we have a guest here in the studio, by the way. He'll, he'll be next on the podcast. Um, but... It's like, do you cater to your buyer or do you? No, I was like, I don't cater to anybody. I, I cater to myself. Yeah. So I go target properties. I target areas. I get pro and then I go find the buyers that need the properties in that area. Exactly. Yeah. Is it good? Okay. If if you run come across something, I'm your buyer. Absolutely perfect. You know, yeah. I'll send it to you. So, um, so, so you transition into into uh, from from wholesaling houses into wholesaling commercial. And now, but when you were wholesaling houses, you were still like a one-man show, right? Yeah. That's it was you and your mom, basically, mom, and whatever yeah. help you had around you. Yep. 
But you didn't have like an acquisitions and dispositions and transaction guy, this and that. Nope. You were literally pocketing all the money and but there was a lot of hustle behind it. Yeah, a lot of hustle behind it, a lot of, you know, hey, one showing, one showing only, you know, and you know, I'm like, I'm just not you know, I would literally show it and if if I had enough I I put in enough information on my email blast, Dropbox photos, to where you didn't have to like look, you can and I was accurate with my repairs. Because I had done a few flips, you know, wasn't, I think I made a couple thousand. It wasn't much. I didn't, I wasn't doing it much. Uh, I didn't know. But, um, you know, I just, I gave people enough information and my numbers were accurate, you know, because I had people that buy deals from me. Hey, man, it's, you, I used to the repairs were 60. I did it for 53. Hey, good. I made an extra seven grand. Yeah, that's an extra $7,000 for them. You know, good yeah. for them. You know, so, yeah, one man show, man. I just didn't, and that's, I'm still kind of a one man show. I'm working on rebuilding my team. You know, okay. I had some partners here recently I just split up with and. You know, I'll partner with people on certain projects, but I'm not going to partner in business anymore. JV is better, man. Yeah. Hey, let's just do that one deal together. Perfect. Yeah. But, you know, having a partner, because now you have to ask for permission. Now, you you know, they have to ask for permission, right? And it's it just, it, I guess it gets to, up to a point in this business to where you just want to do whatever the hell you want to do, you know, exactly. and, not, and not have to ask anybody for permissions or whatever. So, um, so, so let's talk about commercial wholesaling for a little bit. Like, okay, so let's, let's, I know, I, and I know this answer, guys, by the way, but uh, I, I always like to ask it. And he probably knows where I'm coming from. What's the biggest assignment fee you collected on a multifamily wholesale deal? Biggest assignment fee? Yeah. $1.2 million. $1.2 mil. One deal, guys. One deal, right? One deal. That's all you got to do, one deal a year. <laughs> maybe maybe one deal every two years. You know, if you really want to be lazy in this business, you learn what this man knows, and um, you might get there, right? But it's easier said than done, right? Absolutely. Because those are – I remember when, when we met at the – or when you presented at the uh, uh, the Hustlers Mastermind with Michael and Charles, I was one of the guys that was more – probably interested about the process on the conversation with the seller because right. you started going through the whole presentation. This is how I find the properties. This is how I qualify, bam, 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 bam. And then when you got into the conversation with the seller, I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is a whole different conversation because it's 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 more sophisticated. Like you're talking to sophisticated people. These are not your normal desperate homeowner that – just wants off the property, right. you know? Right. Um, so so let's talk about commercial wholesaling for a little bit. In Team Luna's perspective, what are the basic things that you got to look for on a deal? Uh, Commercial-wise, you know, the basics are just your, your gross income and then your expenses, which will give you your net income, right? So you take your net income, divide it by the sales price, and that gives you your cap rate, right? So, you know, once you have that, then I kind of go into, okay, let me, let me find out about the condition of the property or, Hey, let me, you know, let me schedule a tour so I can go and check out how much rehab each unit needs, depending if it's a five unit all the way up to a hundred unit. Right. So, um, you know, I'll, uh, everything in commercial is just based on the financials. If the financials don't make sense, I talked to a guy yesterday, he's got 12 units over near, you know, uh, 610 South, 45 South. He wants 875. That's 72,000 a door. Yeah, I'm like, man, there's, I'm like, I said, I can, I, and I text him back. I said, you're, I said, uh, four months ago, he agreed to 700 and now he wants 875. 
And I said, man, that's 72,000 a door. It's not worth it in that area. I'm, I'm buying a 96-unit apartment complex for 53,000 a door. Why would I pay you 72,000 a door? For right less units. Exactly. You know, so knowing the financials is the main thing. You know, and then, of course, you can look at price per door and look at the area. You know, if you're in Montrose, price door is going to be 150000 The dirt is more expensive. The dirt is more expensive, you know. But out in that area, you're looking at thirty-seven to 45000 a door, you know. So, um, you know, just kind of, like you said, being the area expert. And the thing about commercials, it's all over. I mean, I talked to some people in Humble, and I talked to people in Kima, you know. So you just kind of have to know that, generally speaking, if it's a C-class property, I can't pay seventy grand a door, right? So... You know, the main thing I always talk to, talk to them about is their financials. You know, are they completely, are they fully occupied or, or how, what's their occupancy like? Um, are any of the units rehabbed? Do you have any deferred maintenance, any capital expenditures? You know, your roof, foundation, plumbing, things like that. Uh, the big ticket items, you know. And then from there, I'm able to kind of assess, you know, an offer relatively quick. If somebody gives me financials without looking at their property, I can make them an offer in, you know, 45 minutes. Right. So those are the basics, basically. Look at your fina financials, mm -hmm. figure out what the NOI and the expenses are, then figure out what the cap rate is. Um, and then after that, you look at conditions on the property. Correct. Uh, and last is the area. I, I think last is the area, you know, because, you know, the, the other thing you look at, too, is just along with the condition is how much value add can you raise? Like how much, you know, you look at their rent roll. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people will send you their financials, and you got to get the rent roll. In their rent roll, let's say they got a two bedroom, one bath in Southeast Houston, they're charging four fifty. You can charge nine hundred. So right? so and I understand like when you're in doing multifamily, right? And 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 a lot of our listeners and viewers are newbies, like our people getting into real estate. So can you explain a little bit the difference in between value add and what's the other one? Um like the two different like stabilized, you mean? Yeah, like so what's value add? Like what's in value add? How do you determine so, you know, value add is um you're looking at a you're looking at a let's just say a ten unit apartment complex, okay. So the rents are low. You know the owner pays most owners will pay a common electric like for the outside lights and stuff, and then they'll pay water and gas. So you know like a value add in that situation would be low rents. They could take the the gas whatever is gas out there make it an, an electric appliance, and that way the tenants have to pay their own electric, right? Which will save the tenant the owner a hundred bucks a month, two hundred bucks, right? Right. And then um, you can implement what's called a rub system where you can put the water bill back on the tenants to where it's a system where the, you know, the company will divvy it based on usage. Like apartment one is your bill is 75, two is right. 85, yada, yada, yada. So that's kind of the value add, you know, um, you know, putting the, putting the stuff back on the tenants, raising your rents, you know, making small improvements to the outside in order to raise the rent, you know, go out there and paint, put new siding, maybe fix the roof and then boom, you can raise the rent. That's good. So, so when you're looking in a, in a multifamily, for instance, that's what you probably do the most, right? Multifamilies, and well, that's where you focus because focus for the most part. Uh, for the most part, um, so you go through the financials first. Then is the location. Then you go, okay, is this a value add opportunity or not? Right. Right. Correct. Um, and then you make an offer based on that. And then you wholesale it to either your end buyer or you end up buying it because I know you right. buy them too. Right. Um, and what do you think? How do you think the market is behaving right now with all these buyers that are out there? Just because there's people out there training people on how to buy multifamilies now, yep. and now everybody's a multifamily investor. Right. Uh, even though they don't own 
not even a condo. Right. Um, but it, but it makes it harder because now you got all these other people making offers that sometimes are not even educated. It, it goes back to the, um, it reminds me of 2017 with houses. Yeah. You know, the, the problem is with, it, it's just like a house, right? So the, a sophisticated owner is just like a homeowner that wants to dump a house. Right. If they're given an offer and you try to come in and show them it's only worth this much, it's very hard to do. So what we're finding that's happening right now, the problem is, is that these newbies are coming in and making ridiculously high offers. And then when they can't wholesale it because they have no intention of buying it, then I can't come back and say it's only worth $1 million and not two point five, you know, or, or $1.5. Yeah, it's, right? it's $500,000 away. Like, it's exactly. too, it's too exactly. far. You know, and, and a lot of my conversations with sellers, I, I love this question. I'm like, hey, you know, have you had an offer in the past? Or when I ask them how much they're thinking in terms of an offer, like for a sales price, they'll say, oh, like $1.5 Okay, where'd you get that number from? And inevitably they'll say, oh, well, I was offered that last year. Okay, well, did it sell? You know, I know the answer is no because I'm still talking to the owner. And when they say no, then I'm going to say, well, look, you know, it might not be worth that because it didn't sell then. You know, and then that's a real big eye-opening statement for them because they're like, damn, that's right. Like, I didn't close. Why didn't he close? Too far didn't close because he couldn't find – I don't say an end buyer. I just say your car couldn't get financing for your property at that price, which I know it, it's because I couldn't find an end buyer. Right. You know? um, so where do you see the market going right now, multifamily-wise? Man, there's a lot of hedge funds out there. There's a lot of, you know, New York, California money that's buying stuff pretty high prices. You know, so, I mean, right now it's just going to be a lot of the guys I know that have done multifamily and stuff, they're kind of, doing like more like office buildings and stuff like that because you can still get pretty good deals there. Yeah. But right now, man, it's tough. It's real tough. It's competitive, you know. Um, a lot of it, to me, that I find more success with are my follow-ups and building that relationship. You know, I just I just did a deal. I, I was going to buy the deal, and I decided to wholesale it. Um, uh, sold to God out of Seattle, Washington. And I talked to that owner for two years. I've been talking to him for two years, and he finally decided to sell. Wow. You know. I mean, I, it was a great, it was a great, you know, wholesale deal. I mean, $180,000 on it, you know, but it's like, yeah, I could have, could have held it, but, you know, I decided against it, you know. Yeah. So the follow up game and, and staying in, this is definitely a long term play. Long-term it's, it's, it's not a, I need money for rent next month. It's exactly. like, hey, you better be in a good solid position before you start stumbling into wholesaling uh, multifamily because it might just take you a a year to get a deal, yep. you know. It might take you six months once you find a deal to sell it. Right. You know, or for it to close. I mean, I just did a 24-house package um, all over Houston for, to a hedge fund. And that's not going to close till September, which is fine. I'm just saying that for an example, that's two months. Yeah. You know, where you may flip a deal and make twelve grand in three days. Yeah. Right? I mean, we've both been there. Yeah. You know, so it's just a longer play. You know, you just have to – 2018, 2019 – I did not close a deal from October or from July to October, but both but both years in in a row, the deal in July was a hefty deal, and the one in October was over one hundred fifty thousand. But not very many people can go August, all of September, no, all no. of October without any money. No, no, no. And they and 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 then they start questioning: Is this really working? Exactly. Am I good for it? Or am I not exactly. good for it? So that that's a perfect example of consistency, perseverance, grit. 
It's like, man, you're sticking with it. You're like, I know it works. I just got to continue, continue to find until I find the one. And and then when you hit the the $150,000 assignment, don't just go blow it up on a Rolex and the, and the casino and and the strip club like a lot of the other guys I know do. Um, nothing wrong with those things. but Rolexes are nice. Yeah, yeah. You know? uh, and, and, and girls need to go to, to college, sure. you know, so they you do. got you gotta go support the strip they club. Do. They do. <laughs> but, but the truth is, um, you know, is that you have to be more aware of your finances on how you handle them if you're jumping in something like what you're doing. Right. right. Well, not to mention, you know, I pay for you know, I have constant contact. I have CoStar. I have a Roundme account. Those things cost money every month. Yeah. You know, so you're pouring money into the marketing. And, you know, the good thing now is that I have enough. My buyer's list is so large now that I have people bringing me deals off my list. So, you know, it's kind of a, it subsidizes. It, it, it's, it's, it's coming back to you now. Right. Um, the, all the hard work and dedication that you put into building that buyer's list, it's already paying you a different way. Exactly. And so what does the future look like for you, man? What What's next for you? Man, what's next for me is, um, so I've been a part of two different complexes I've purchased with some partners. I had a 22-unit deal in League City. Um, I did this a JV with a guy, and then I, he bought me out this past year, which I was like, good, I'm kind of done. Um, and then I did a 20-unit apartment complex with the last set of partners I had, and I kind of just walked away from that one, too, just to really cash out. Uh, so I've been working a, a deal for um, 96 units, over in Southeast Houston, uh, finally got under contract yesterday. So I'm going to partner with again, another guy I've done a deal with in the past, and we're going to take it down together. Um, we're getting it for about five and a half million after it's all said and done. Stabilized should be about nine and a half million. Um, so we'll be able to do a cash out refi at that price, and you know, be able to cash flow from there. And then I'm working on another 114 unit deal. Um, so right now I'm looking mostly to hold the larger complexes. Um, and I want to get a couple of smaller deals just kind of for myself, you know, on the side here, maybe, you know, a couple 10, 15 unit deals. So, um, but I want to go back to kind of doing more of a single family stuff. You know, I've got, I'm, I'm starting to talk to more people about building a team. And um, I, I like that consistent cash flow of the single family in between the intermittent spurts of, yeah. of the multifamily, you know. Um, so that that's, you know, kind of the future. And then I'm, I'm going to start doing a, a coaching program eventually. I've got a, a guy I'm talking to now. We're going to, he's going to be my guinea pig. Um, and do a little mentorship program for him. And then hopefully I can kind of get into the coaching realm, you know. But that's going to be six, eight months down the road. Right now my focus is building a team for the single family side and getting that business going. Good deal, man. Well, thank you so much for coming, Tim. I appreciate you. And guys, you guys might want to go follow Tim Luna in uh, on Instagram and, and um, Facebook. We're going to put his handles there. Hit like, you know, if you got a multifamily question or you got a deal you want to work with Tim, feel free to reach out to him. Uh, he's always looking for JVs and yep. things. I, I, we were just talking about it, and I just got a property in my head that I'm going to have to run by you. Absolutely. Uh, so, help, man. Absolutely. That's, we all help each other out, right? You know, exactly. we, we don't have it all figured out, so we got to work together. Yep. And and Tim was uh, actually one of our speakers uh, in our last mastermind, the the RE3 mastermind uh, that we had in Houston, Texas, April 30th and May 1st and 2nd. And I'll tell you what, man, everybody loved your presentation. I uh, mean, I was, I was so nervous, you know, I had to come on after Bradley and after lunch. And I, Yeah, I, those I, are some <laughs> big shoes to feel, yeah. man. Like, yes, it was. Yeah, but you, your subject is very interesting, man, because, you know, you have something that, I mean, you wholesale one of those deals and that's life changing, you know, yeah. that, that it changes even your kid's life. Like yeah, if you're not a dumbass by blowing out $1.2 million, yeah. you know, on an assignment or whatever. 
I mean, that's a lot of money. Some people will not even make $1.2 million in the next 20 years. You know what I'm saying? So collectively. Collectively, yeah. So, yes. so you do that on one deal, man. That, that's impressive, right? So, well, you know, and, and I'm able to see, you know, my kids are able to see the fruits of the labor and they're able to see, you know, we were just on vacation for all but six days in June. And so we were in South Carolina and I had that 22 in a deal closed. So they sent a mobile notary to the golf course where my son and I were playing golf at the resort in Harbortown where we were staying. And I did the, the double closing paperwork, you know, and, you know, I was explaining to my son the whole process. Hey, I'm making 180000 here, da, 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 here's what I did. And then um, we went to Destin after that. Well, my other closing, I sold a 12-unit deal, and here comes the mobile notary. We're in Destin. We just got off of, we went to Crab Island, had a pontoon boat. Lady met us at Panera Bread. We had, you know, we were eating our dinner, and the lady comes in, does mobile notary, boom, boom, boom. You know, so my family's able to be there with me to see this, to see the fruits of the labor, you know, two closings in two weeks, you know, $350,000 in, in cash in my pocket. That's able, awesome. Able to enjoy my vacation, you know. So these are the kind of, this is the way that multifamily can change someone's life. Yes. You just have to know how to do it, do it the right way, right? And, right. and ultimately just do business the right way, right? Make, keep enough money in the deal for the next person who's buying it from you and make more money yourself, right? That's correct. Good deal, man. Well, guys, we're going to have the Real Estate Entrepreneurs event and mastermind again in Miami, Florida, October 21st through the 24th. Um, team has been invited to it uh, again. So and there's a bunch of whole new guys that are coming on board as well. And uh, along with some of the other guys um, that uh, were on the last one. So we're going to have a great time. And we're going to be going on yachts. So that that's going to be – I can't wait. So I haven't, I haven't booked yet, but I, I haven't told you yes or yet. But I think – if you get Pitbull, I'll, I'll get over there and I'll, well, I'll come. Well, he, 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 uh, I'm waiting on his response. Okay. So, anyhow, guys, we'll see you on the next one. Don't forget to hit share, like, and subscribe. Thank you so much for being out there. Bye. Bye, guys.